Captain Drake and rocked upon the ground. Suddenly every man making up a waste of time. Welcome back to another episode of the lockdown series of the Buzzword Podcast. This week I've grabbed a couple of fellow actors from last year that I had the pleasure of working with at the Glasgow International Comedy Festival of 2019. So sit back, relax and enjoy. So I'm delighted to have on the podcast both a returning guest and on the podcast for the first time two members from with the Waiting for Godot play that was on last year at the Comedy Festival, and that is David Gering Hasthorpe and Aubrey McCanns. Aubrey, am I pronouncing your surname correctly? You are indeed. Thank God. I was, I was worried about David's is a hard one to get, but mm. I was worried about yours as well, whether I was going to get it right. <laughs> so, David, um, who did you play, just as a wee reminder for the people at home in Waiting for Godot? I was the character Lucky. And Aubrey, who did you play? I played Boy. Boy, you didn't even get a name. You were the boy or a boy. We're never too sure. (laughs) Boy. So it's a year on since we did the play the comedy festival. Sadly, this year's play was cancelled, as was the comedy festival. And really, it's just like a year on from doing Godot. What have you learned like the overall experience, David, we talked to you a wee bit about this, so I'm going to shoot mm. it over to Aubrey first. Like, what was your learning on it, Aubrey, and where are you now from it? What's your thoughts? Um, I learned count countless things from 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 waiting for God or from the whole experience about performing, about getting ready to perform, about learning lines and working with other people who are really keen to be there. Um and wanting to to be an actor and go down that road, it's certainly invaluable experience. It was your first performance, that, wasn't it? On stage. It was my my first proper stage performance and a very a very good performance to to take part in before you take part in other things. Mm-hmm. It was a great experience. And what and like since then you've you've been kinda of busy with other things, haven't you? Yeah, I've done um I've done, I did a couple of school shows kind of afterwards and I did some public speaking things and I've been busy with school. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And David, how about yeah. you? What's it been like since a year on? Is you a little wiser, a little older? Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking about your question. Mm. and um, it's, it's a loaded question, I know. Well, um, like Aubrey... The part that I did in Waiting for Godot was the biggest part I had done to date. And, you know, in, in doing it, uh, but I'm, I'm sort of sniffing out, I'm, I'm smelling something else in your question. I, I feel like you're asking me, what have I learned since the end of the show? Like, how is it digested? Yeah. You're asking me. Yes, that's correct. Are they, okay, so these are, some, these are some, some thoughts that have been like knocking around my brain for the past uh past year or so and i feel like maybe learning is the wrong word but this is the result of kind of some digestion of that play happening and one of them is just before we we went on i was walking up the road uh towards the theater tonight i think it was like dress rehearsal or something and i was struck by this fear is the show going to be any good? 
um, I think you guys must remember it. We had that god awful dress rehearsal, didn't we? Everyone kept. <laughs> lines. Uh, Lindsay yes. massively fell over. Um, yes, props were wrong, and like everything was wrong. And I think it might have been that. that Aubrey, how? Just quickly, how was the dress rehearsal for you? <laughs> was it god awful? <laughs> I remember watching it kind of from the the wings. Oh dear, Lindsay's fallen over. Um, <laughs> and I, there was kind of something that I every single night of the performance, like after the dress rehearsal, <laughs> when Lindsay fell over, I'm like, oh no, he's gonna fall over <laughs> on the production night. Um, which didn't wait. He did it, did. Lindsay he did fall over. he did didn't he he did fall over <laughs> he did he fell over on the night yes he, he did that once sadly but he, he like a tripper he, he kept it together so it, it worked out well he actually it kind of yeah. yeah kind of blended into his character almost the blind man mm-hmm. falling over but anyway, oh, it was, so, yes sorry um, so, sorry uh, you know I, I was struck by this fear you know like is it going to be any good and uh, and also, uh, like that was uh, that wasn't just because, like uh, you know, we, we'd, we'd had this kind of uh, um, that, that that rehearsal that was a bit of a uh, um, worrying event. I gotta say, um, uh, and it was uh, you know, as, as as we all remember, it all came together on that first night. And it was lovely, but um, the it was also a, a response to to the play itself. I was struck by like a kind of anxiety about. Is this play kind of no longer for our times, and is this maybe a play that people don't want to see? And I, I thought actually, it's it doesn't matter with Waiting for God. Waiting for God is like a special play, and it doesn't matter. I think this was the conclusion I came to. It doesn't matter actually if it comes out good. Or like it doesn't have to be enjoyable. Maybe that was the thought I came to. Like it doesn't doesn't have to be an enjoyable play it's okay if it's not an enjoyable experience for those people because they haven't come to enjoy themselves when they go to wait for god they don't they don't think oh i'm gonna have a great evening they go along thinking oh almost i'm gonna be punished and that's sort of good for me maybe maybe that was kind of like or or like almost this was actually the thought i'm I'm thinking back to it now the the thought was maybe it's a bit more like church and people go along to wait for god almost like they go along to a to, to, to church and they wouldn't say, oh, you know, I didn't enjoy that sermon. It wasn't very entertaining. In the same way as I think people might go along to Waiting for God and think, you know, it's okay if it wasn't entertaining, although we did it in a very entertaining way. But that was my, you know, I think Waiting for God is one of a very select few plays that actually you can do it in a, in a good way and it doesn't have to be entertaining or enjoyable. I hope it was enjoyable, though. <laughs> I think you are. I think you But that was a reflection on like the nature of the play itself. Yes. Aubrey, how about you? Yeah, any reflection on it uh, in in the time that's came from? What do you, how do you feel about it now? I think um I think <laughs> despite its twists and turns and things that went wrong and people forgetting lines or going over things. Wait a minute, do you think people forgot lines? No, no, no. no. (laughs) On rehearsals and stuff like that. Yes. But um, I think despite all of that and despite having to to go over it again and again, like theatre, I suppose, should be like that, um, you kind of learn that, as David was saying, this is not necessarily to be enjoyed. It's, It's not... 
necessarily to entertain. Sure, it's theatre, and sure people go to watch something, but that might not necessarily to to have a laugh or to to smile or something like that. But but almost to kind of learn from it mm-hmm. because it's 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 quite like like a lecture, like a like a story kind of to teach you something. And we don't even really know what what that is, um, which is the the theatre kind of thing, I suppose. Um, about the it. deeper questions, the deeper questions, yeah, that you can't help but ask, having watched it and having been in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose it is. It teaches both an actor who acted in it and the audience. And the director probably having read through the script several times and casting it and thinking about to himself what what does this mean? How do I want to put this on? So I suppose yeah, kind of like what David said, it's not necessarily to be enjoyed. And it taught me that theatre is not necessarily to be enjoyed <laughs> by the audience, but to but it could also be to teach them something, mm-hmm. which I found very valuable. One of the interesting things I, I couldn't help but notice, which is why I was thinking about discussing Godot, was that today in the current climate is like yesterday and the day before that. I was like, because I, I know I'm doing the exact same things I did yesterday and I've got myself into this drudgery of an endless routine. And I was like, do you guys kind of feel the same way? I was like, do you see the similarities in Godot for what we're doing this now? Uh, nobody comes, nobody goes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, maybe superficially, Godot is more appropriate for now than it was then. But my my reflection, I think, on Godot is that it was a more important play for the moment when we put it on. And I remember when I, after we started rehearsals, something hit me that it was a Brexit play and that we were going to be, we were going to be at the end of our run or almost at the end of our run on supposedly Theresa May's Brexit day. And it it felt, it it felt beautiful to me. I felt like Goddard was this, uh, this almost rite of passage with these, these, these kind of beautiful eternal words that I was getting a, a chance to be part of saying and that so many actors before me had gone through this and now it was my chance to kind of take my place in the way of things. And it was very comforting in a time of turmoil to be able to do what, what I felt was an eternal play and a play that I had loved for years and years. And now maybe it's that it feels a bit too, too close to the reality that it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. right for now. Or maybe it's that it feels like I'm not because of the, the, the the drudgery of life as it is at the moment, I'm not looking for something as, uh, I'm not looking to, to sort of return to, uh, a familiar and well-loved play. And I, uh, it, it feels like it is not quite as fitting for now as it was for supposed Brexit day. 
which wasn't the actual Brexit day in the end. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 the only reason I asked that was because David, you kind of instigated this with saying to all the cast, you know, like, how about we get together and kind of go over the script and work on yeah. work on the play, like in the night, like a, like through a, like a, a reading, mm. a scripted reading, and I was like, that would be interesting, kind of like a, a year's perspective, and it was kind of the reason for like pulling you two guys together. It's kind of like, yeah, because it is, it's, it's it's a year on since we did that play, and it would just be good to connect with you guys again. And I was like, podcast would be the first we bat that, and it's like, like even for you, Aubrey, you've got the the, the smallest part of all the roles playing the boy but yeah it's like lucky it's every part is pivotable pivotal to the the play yours yours comes right at the end on both acts and without it it kind of doesn't give the punch that the play needs and it's like um it's just more the interest of going back and revisiting it a year on for yourself yeah we, you know, we would always be the the back of the theatre waiting to go on, and it'd be Lindsay, David, yourself, and I, mm. and then I would go on, and I was like, "What are you guys up to?" Well, we're on, you know, <laughs> waiting because you have this long wait because Chris and I start and we're on stage for about nearly fifteen minutes before anything kicks in with with you and Aubrey. You had the longest wait; you you were nearly a thirty-five minute wait every night before you got to come on for two and I was like to keep that kind of patience you know you were always kind of left these guys were left out for spells at time and I was like what's going on in that backstage what's the, what was the preparation for you guys almost wetting my pants <laughs> probably like I swear it was every single night I was just jumping up and down backstage I was so worried the audience could hear me but I guess um, I always watched you do like press ups before you went on to on stage, yeah. like before every single part. Like if you came with me, even just in the middle, you'd do press ups before you went back on, mm-hmm. which I found really that was really cool because it's kind of like I guess I do a few different kind of performance based things like public speaking and stuff like that. So I'm I'm relatively used to having to prepare myself for having to go out and perform but it's always this there's always that particular kind of thrill going out and there was especially with that because it was my first proper performance and I do remember looking at you and Chris and and um and David and Lindsay and just kind of watching because from the perspective of having rehearsed with you all I could see how tired you were, um, but you were still giving the performance your all, which was kind of, kind of makes you want to go out and do your best too, which I found really good on all those nights. Yeah. Hold on. Let me fix my mic. I swear it's quite clear. That's okay. Yeah. That's gonna hear you fine. Okay. David, how about you? How did you feel backstage? Yeah, I think I would just like was it was a preparation for you. Um. So during those times. Like, uh, sometimes I would just chat to Lindsay. We'd go, like, right into the, you know, the kind of the the wings behind the wings or through that door, and Lindsay and I would just chat about anything. Um, but I think most of the time I would just sit in a chair and <laughs> listen to you guys. And even though I'd heard it a hundred times by that point, 
yeah. a nice kind of preparation to my own part in listening to you guys, you know, how, how are they doing it tonight? You know, how are they, how are they delivering it? How are they feeling? What can I hear in their voices? And, you know, what energy am I getting from these guys from their 10 minutes or 15 minutes that precedes me coming on? Are you still doing with uh, the uh, comedy improv groups? I know there's a new one out there um, that I've seen you've been posting up with. Are you still busy with the improv work? Um, up until lockdown, of course. I've done very little improv uh, for the uh, pretty much since the last summer. Um, I, uh, To put it delicately, I had a couple of classic art scene differences with one or two people in the, in the community, and I decided I'm just going to take a little break from this for a little while. Okay. <laughs> I was Moving sideways. I was just just kind of coming around to the idea, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind getting back to a little bit of improv. And I signed up for one of the courses that's going on around here. Um mm-hmm. and that had its first class something like fifth of March, and the second class did not happen. So uh that has been locked down cancelled along mm-hmm. with everything else. There is a lot of Zoom improv going on. Um, and uh, there is even a short-form jam improv, for anyone who's interested, gets divided into short-form and long-form. I would say short-form is the more kind of immediately accessible and immediately fun kind of improv. I'm sure there are some people out there probably uh, tearing their hair out saying long-form is the more fun one. But anyway... Um, <laughs> Um, short form is the kind that you'd see on whose line is it anyway, um, which I think is the mm-hmm. way most people get into improv. Um, anyway, Aubrey, do you know whose line is it anyway? Is that before your time? I need to admit I've never heard of. You that. should look it up, Aubrey. It's very, very. I think it might be before my time. It's a very. Oh. Uh, um, even if you just uh, look it up on YouTube, um, I believe they're still going, but maybe they're not. Who knows? Um, no, no, they're still going. They're still going. Um, certainly the US version um, mm-hmm. is still making them but it's a show that started in the UK in something like 1989 and it's just it's just improvisers doing improv, improv comedy and it's very funny and um, uh, yeah so uh, my, my partner actually is hosting a, an, a short form improv jam where people can come along and or zoom along and uh, do some short-form improv with, with each other. So, Aubrey, so you, you're the only one that's back uh, still at school here, so is it like a nine-to-five kind of school day, or is it a wee bit more lax for you? It's like, it is actually really relaxed. Like, they, they kind of give you the walk. Some teachers say, here's some work for Monday to Wednesday, and then you'll get work from Wednesday to Friday, but some... Like one, like my French teacher says, here's Monday's work, here's Tuesday's work. But they kind of set the work the day before you're going to have to do it. So when you wake up in the morning, you can kind of wake up whenever you like, really. Mm. But just as sure, just as you need to just get the work done when it needs to be done. That sounds like bliss. Yeah. It is. It's great. It, it, it particularly sounds really good. But like, I mean, I remember when I was at school just being so like furious that school was this institution supposedly for young people and it was timed at a time of day which everyone knows is the wrong time of day for young people 
everyone knows that 8 a.m. is the wrong time for young people to be like, like that is that's the right time of day for like 50 year olds to be getting ready for things, you know? Um, I remember just being like, why, why are they doing this? Why are they torturing us with, you know, an 8.30 or 8.45 start when it's obvious that, you know, we actually need to be starting the day at about 11 o'clock or something. Things are changing the times then, David. Yeah. Well, i got to be honest, this is the first time in two months I've... Well, no, I'll start again. I have to be honest. I've never had two months off since I was 15, so it's a rare occurrence for me. So this is a weird one to literally have two months to myself, two months to myself without actually going anywhere. I've never done that since I was 15 years old. So it's... Well, it's been, yeah, it's been nearly 16 years since I've last done this, so it's been amazing. No, longer. How old am I? I'm 37. What's that? Aubrey, you're smart. You can do the math. 22 years. Yes, thank you. There we go. I'm terrible at maths. <laughs> it's, it's been 22 years since I've had the joy of a summer holiday, and this is what I've got right now. Yeah. So It does remind me. It does remind me of, like, summer holidays when I was a kid, and, um, you know, like, kind of... I remember, I remember like really like, like being excited about summer holidays coming around, you know, when I was getting towards the end of the, the end of the school year and you'd be like, oh yeah, it's going to be brilliant summer holidays, get away from school. And like within like a couple of days of the summer holidays, I'm just being like, God, this is so boring. There's nothing to do. Like, um, you know, sometimes I'd be like, oh, I want to hang out with my mates. My mates would just be uh, like, uh, like not doing anything or not up for hanging out. And like, yeah, or the fact that they're away for two weeks because they're on holiday and you're not. Yeah, so exactly. there's always that kind of disparity where you lose two weeks. Exactly, yeah. And um, yeah, that, that just the whole like, oh yeah, I've got nothing to do but stay in the house. And and there's no PlayStation back then. That had not occurred yet. Yeah. What were you up to? What's your top thing right now to be doing other than work or schoolwork, Aubrey? What are you up to at the moment? What's your downtime? Favourite top thing to do? <laughs> I like um, playing online with my friends, my really good friend from school. Um, Are you on Fortnite? Fortnite, yes. <laughs> but the more, more importantly, my friends. Kind of, just kind of chilling out, I suppose. Not really doing very much. Um, not reading. I don't really read very often. So any top movies? Have you watched any theatre online that's really captivated you? Any podcasts? What's... Anything there that you're kind of like, that's the thing to watch? Actually, yes. Um, assigned, we, we got my drama class got assigned by our drama teachers to watch. It's been every week we've watched the National Theatre Live. Mm-hmm. So we watched One Man, Two Governors, which I've played in at the conservatoire the, like a week in the summer, which was really good. And then we watched Twelfth Night. Um, and then we watched... Frankenstein, which was brilliant with um, Benedict Cumberbatch, and now it is Antony and Cleopatra, which I'm yet to watch. But One Man, Two Governors, and uh, Frankenstein, those were brilliant. I absolutely loved those, um, and would highly recommend them. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you, you can watch them at some point. But you need like a a code for this website that my school has. 
Well, I got I got, I got to see Frankenstein. Well, I thought it was excellent. I really really enjoyed it. And the twelfth night, um, your uncle Stuart did not like one man two governors, so he was he didn't. No, if you listen to the previous episode of the podcast, he states very clearly it wasn't his bag. So um, he's on the other side of that agenda. But no, I think the National Theatre stuff has been excellent. David, how about you? Have you caught up with anything? Um, I haven't watched any of the NT Live. Uh, this time around, but um, there is one of them coming up, which is <clears throat> This House. And I saw it about two years ago in Birmingham, and oh, it, was, it, 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 it was amazing. It was such, such a fun night for a politics geek like me, how votes are conducted. I love all that stuff. And... I feel like it is really, really ripe for the stage and somebody, whoever did that play, obviously had the same thought and um, it's, it's a great play and it's coming on NT Live in, uh, in, in a week or two. So if you guys are watching uh, the National Theatre stuff, uh, make sure you watch that. Um, it's one of my favourite plays of all time. It's a play about the uh, Labour minority government in uh, 1975 to 1979 or something like that. And um, the the Lib Lab Pact, which happened during that time, and uh, the eventual fall of that government to the, uh, uh, to the Conservatives who got in in 1979. Um, mm. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's fraught with tension. It's brilliant. It's personal. It's, uh, national importance. It's, it's got all the beautiful things of, uh, you know, kind of classic drama where, you know, it's got like, uh, it's got all of that, all of the lovely, like, uh, heavy weighty action and also like light jokes and fun. And yeah, it's, it, it, it was really brilliantly done. Um, uh, I am really looking forward to seeing it again. I was just looking for the dates for it there so we can all tune in. And it's actually on from the 28th of May at 7pm in the UK until the 4th of June. So you can watch it through the National Theatre through YouTube as well from those times. From those times. So it'll be the 28th of May onwards. So there you, you can catch up with that then. That sounds good. I'm intrigued. I've never seen that one. It's a cracking one. It's a it like... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how much you're into like uh, political uh, um, intrigue, but it it does it beautifully. I've got my politics. I like a wee bit of politics. I've watched in the loop, so I've. Oh yeah, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, exactly I'm always that. there for a wee bit of political bashing. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Very and good. I was actually probably thinking back to it. I mean, it, um, I only have a fuzzy memory of what actually. Uh, the, the play was like in terms of like the, the detail of it. But I would say even if someone went along to it and didn't give a fig for politics, I would say actually you can still enjoy it on a very like personal level and just uh, enjoying the relationships and the action and the dynamic in it. Would you say it's worthy of a, a production brought up in Glasgow by a small theatre company to be put on in the West End? Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's it, it's a big cast, um, and if you've if you've got a big cast, actually, I seem to remember some of the actors doubled up. Um, so it's got some it's got some possibility for that. Yeah, 
Is there a part for Aubrey? Can we get Aubrey in on this? Is he too young or do you think we can squeeze him in? Oh, uh, yeah. Squeeze him in. Yeah. Yes. Are you ready to get back on stage, Aubrey? I'd love to. I always love doing that. I'm an old man now. <laughs> 16. <laughs> old and tired. I'm a boomer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't have to be too old for anything. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Now, gentlemen, <laughs> I have one question for you. Um, we'll, we'll wrap this up uh, before it gets too late. But um, I have an ongoing dispute with um, my co-host, Stuart McDougall, on a James Bond argument. Now, are, do you both watch James Bond? Do you like Bond? Have you watched the recent films? Or is it a not at all for you? Well, I've never seen any of the Bond films, but I'm just going to disagree with Uncle Stuart anyway. Okay, that's fine. David? Just to make him mad. Um, yeah, I, uh, I would say I am... Basically pro bond, but what is uh, okay? Is, is is that your question, or is there more of a question? No, 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 no. It's not my question. It was just it was just getting you into it. Okay, okay. And my question is: it's an ongoing thing. I argue, and some other people argue, that Quantum of Solace is a better bond than the likes of Skyfall, Inspector, and actually has merit for being a brilliant Bond film. And Stuart's on the other side saying it's not a good Bond film, it's terrible. Um, so I ask everyone just occasionally, just to get the, the knife in a wee bit deeper, that Stuart could be wrong. And I was like, where do you stand, David? Well, I've got uh, Aubrey by default, so I'll, that's that's good. To... um. To give you a little bit of background on this, um, I came into Bond films during the Pierce Brosnan era. And mm -hmm. that was really what I went to Bond films for was everything that he did in it. And uh, I liked all the like sort of flashy cheapness of it all, you know? Um, and after I'd got into the Pierce Brosnan ones, I kind of thought, oh, let's look at the more historic ones. And uh, this is going to be heresy for most people, but I just thought they were all crap. I thought, <laughs> so, so slow. Very, like, people must have had so much patience in the 1960s. God, like, I, I, I cannot sit through a film which the joke has, you know, one shootout. One, a Bond film that has one shootout as its climax and expects me to wait an hour and a half for that. I'm, I can't do it, you know? I need to start with a shootout. And then there are several others to keep me going along the way. Uh, and that's what Pierce Brosnan gives you. Pierce Brosnan gives you that with a snappy little line about, you know, a gag about how the guy with, who was dying was of a particular, you know, uh, looked funny or, you know, had, wore a funny suit or something, you know. Anyway, to, um, so, so I was coming off the back of that when I got very excited about yes. Royale. Um, and also very excited about Daniel Craig, who I thought was going to be an excellent Bond. And I was a little bit lukewarm about Casino Royale when I saw it. But I was like, OK, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Here comes another one, Quantum of Solace. And I watched it and I have no memory of it because I think I was completely like um, it, it, it made no mark on me at all. I thought it was uh, I thought it was terrible. I'm sorry, Aaron. But it had nothing <laughs> that's, that hey, Pierce Brosnan no, gave no, me. 
No, it's fine. You're, you're, you're on the other camp. It's fine. I can't, I can't judge you for it. It's just the way it is. But it's just like I always try to find those that are going to fight the good fight. But no, I've got to tell you, Aaron, the... it's the last I... Bond film I have seen. I did not see any well, of that's, that's after okay. it because I was just. You don't like, need to see the other two. I thought, fuck this. I've, I've got to wait until Daniel Craig is done with this and we get someone else in. That was that was how bad I thought it was. I'm sorry. No, that's okay, Aubrey. Now this is what I don't, I can't understand. You've seen some very good movies. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've seen the likes of Alien or Aliens. Um, have, I have. I have. Right. You've seen some classics, and I'm kind of like, oh, yes. you've not seen Bond. Well, I kind of never really got into the the kind of the spy thing um i have a cousin who really 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 is insanely um about bond um but i never really caught the the like the the attraction of of james bond i feel i i maybe i maybe it's just because i've never seen any of the the uh, the films um but i just never thought it was anything that i would enjoy but maybe i'm wrong well well there is a, there's an enjoyment in Bond. It just depends what enjoyment you want. Um, I would I would start with the Brosnan years and then maybe work your way forward, then back. I'm just surprised. Like this is the boy that when he was 14 years old, he told me he's seen Silence of the Lambs, but you haven't seen James Bond. <laughs> I was like, I haven't. I've I've maybe seen like one of them or like clips of a couple of the films, but I never. You've never sat down. I never just. Got into yeah, I never sat down and just kind of got into it really, like I did Star Wars and and other such things. I'm so glad you said Star Wars. That's that's the most important point we can all agree on. Sounds like a Star Wars The Force Awakens kind of debate. Some people like it, some people don't, some just not their cup of tea, and some people it is exactly what they're looking for. Yes. I know, but we yes. wouldn't even get into that one because that's its own podcast, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's its own series of podcasts. <laughs> yes, I think that, that one keep going for a couple of years. Uh, David, are you a Star Wars fan? Uh, no, I've got some more heresy to say on that, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> God. Somebody sat me down and said, like, when I was, like, 18, someone was like, you got to see these films, man, like, you haven't seen these. And I was just like, ah, oh, this just seems really dated. I don't get it. And the new ones just seem crap. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, well, my that man. That was a put down. Like, that, like, that is you heresy know. of the highest order. You, you can try like, me oh again with like, something else. <laughs> I can try and be more positive about something else, you know. Um, I like Batman. It's just going to have politics. <laughs> the, 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 the deep of it has to. You're a Batman yeah. fan. Uh, I, I don't. Oh, uh, I'm not a particular. I, I I like. I have liked some Batman films. I wouldn't say like Batman is like my thing, but I don't know. Like I was just pulling out a, a popular culture thing. I'm not no on everything. That's my point. You know. I like where. <laughs> you know, where's Wally's good. <laughs> it's okay. There's no judgment here. We're, we're, you don't have to justify yourself. It's a. Apart from if you like Star Trek. We judge you if you like Star Trek. You 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 saying you judge me if I do like Star. <laughs> we judge you if you like if you prefer Star Trek over Star Wars. I, I do like Star Trek over Star Wars. 
Why are you even here? <laughs> Star Trek is not a very good show. Star Trek, I mean, Star, Trek, Star Trek is definitely not a very good show, but um, it's, 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 kind of a fun, it's a fun piece of trash. Also, Patrick Stewart is the boss. I love watching Patrick Stewart. I'd watch him read the phone book, you know? Patrick Stewart is good. Patrick Stewart. But voice. Oh, I'm not even doing his voice. There we go. But, you know, that was, he's got such a good voice. He did Godot, didn't Gentlemen. he? Yeah. He did Godot. He, he did it with Ian McKellen, he did indeed. He did it about five Lovely years ago. God, I wish I'd seen that. Yes, yes, I know. I, I think if I'd seen that, I probably wouldn't decide to do Godot. It's like, you need to go into these things naive. Because yeah, when true. you see it done by your peers, you're kind of like, well, I can't do that. That would, that would worry me. So, no, I, I'll go into these things naive. Yeah, I agree. Well, gentlemen, I think I've kept you long enough. It's be it's now five past nine. Um, I know I've got to get to my bed. Thank you very much for both of you coming along. Oh, it's been lovely to chat here and lovely to see see you and Aubrey as well. I know, lovely to see you guys too. In the audio world, lovely to hear you guys. Yes, yes. Yeah. But um, David, as you you you're, you're still planning to try and get this cast together for a impromptu read through. I've got I got I got to dig out yeah. my script. I, I don't know where it is because. I've forgotten most of the lines, I've got to be honest. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I really don't know. I, I know one or two bits, that's about it. I was kind of surprised how little I knew. How are you doing on your big speech? I think, you know, like, um, even not that long after the end, <clears throat> I, I knew that without doing it every day, I was losing it very fast. And I didn't even want to try. I didn't want to even want to, like, give it a go in my head because I thought, if I try this and I don't have it anymore, I'm just going to upset myself. And so I have to go. <laughs> well, um, as soon as everyone's ready and free and available, I'll, I'll yeah, dust off the it. hat and we'll get together and we can see what we can do with it, okay? Yeah, we should do yeah. it. Yeah. I agree. Excellent, guys. Well, I'll, I'll leave it there and uh, both of you take care and I'll speak to you soon. And thanks so much for doing this. You too. You too. Great great see you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye, guys. Bye. That's it for another week on the podcast. As always, a big thank you to Aubrey and David for taking the time to come on. We will be back next week with another episode. You can check out the website or SoundCloud for any of our previous shows that we've done over the last couple of years. Remember to look out for the National Theatre and the Old Vic and any other big theatres that will be streaming live shows on YouTube. There is a variety of shows coming up which you can watch for free. It's no secret there is a massive need for support for theatres small and large across the country right now and any support that you can give is welcome. Hope everyone is well and take care. bumped into Chris in the street um, I was out for a cycle ride about a month ago and I bumped into him oh, okay. and I um, he told me he was getting into jigsaws of the great art pieces of history <laughs> like oh man I've got a couple of jigsaws I'm done with. I'll drop them off at your house sometime and I haven't got around to doing it I was in I was in 14 day quarantine for in between time so that kind of put the uh, put the stopper on that um, and then once I got out I was like oh yeah I'll, I'll go drop a pr- puzzle off for him at some point but I never got around to it <laughs>